Welcome back to another episode of Keeping It Relevant, where we look at the Torah and take away life lessons that can change our life every day. Today's date is March 18th. This is the eighth class on the Haggadah. And we are, we just finished up all the access points. Let's quickly go over the access points. Number one, number one is tefillah. Number two, realizing that when you are yearning to change, guess where that yearning comes? Come from your neshama. Yeah, it's coming from your neshama. Yeah, you got it. Anyways, number three. By the way, Rav Salavichik says, it says it twice. Whoever is hungry, come and eat. Whoever is needy, whatever it is, there's two different Lashonos because there are two different types of hunger. You know what I'm talking about? There's people who are needy for food, but there are people who have plenty of food. But they're needy for you. They need. They need. To, they need connection. They need. They need. They need community. You know what I'm talking about? Anyway, number four. What's number four? Harsina vision. You got to begin with the end in mind. You got to be able to see the Harsina vision. Is that right? And number five. Ooh, the Manishtana mindset. The Manishtana mindset is the whole idea. I D E A R of Pesach is that you need to break out of your zone. And you need to go to the no. zone, right? Oh. No, but the point is, you clean the entire environment. For those of you who actually clean, it's an old custom. Who doesn't clean? This is when I'm so people... sorry. We're all employed. There's certain families that don't even know what that looks like. Okay, but anyway, <laughs> but those who do know what it looks like can't wait to become part of the family that don't know what it looks like. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Anyways, like, why don't we have those relatives who are willing to host all nine of us, you know? Anyways, bottom line is, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so so the we leave the zone. We clean the existing environment. We eat different food. We're creating a whole new zone that will be in the Manishtana mindset. We're willing to be able to be open to change when you change your environment. That's number what? Five. What's number six? Rabbi Lozab and Azaria said that it's not about just going to the Pesach Seder personal development <clears throat> seminar. It's not about going to the retreat. It's not just going to the Yachad retreat, but it's all about well, how, what are you gonna, how are you going to bring the Yachad retreat to the community, right? So that's what Elizabeth Azari says. You can stay up all night being so immersed in what? A conversation of Emunah, like the Chachamim. But don't forget to bring this home to your day-to-day life. Imagine you go to four years of high school. Imagine. Wow. Where you're learning about all these concepts, you're having all these rocking classes on halacha, hashkafa. Then you go to seminary, and you're like, it's one big year of seminary, you know, seminars, seminary, all that happening. And then you come home, and you run into college, you run into work, and all of a sudden it's like marriage, marriage. You bring a marriage, okay? And it's a beautiful thing, right? And you have all that going on. And then what happened to all those like amazing principles? How do you bring that to day-to-day life? Anyone know? That's what Allah and Razari is saying. So the way that you do it is just like the Shema. You have like a Shema in the morning, a Shema at night. No matter what you're doing, you make sure you have a solid davening in the morning. You have a little journaling going on, a little safer that you're reading, so that it's not lost. All, the, all, all those years and all that money. <laughs> all, that, all those years and all that money. You know what I'm talking about? That's what Allah and Azariah. 
Harani Kaben Shivim Shana, and my major drasha is how are you going to bring Yitzhiya Mitzrayim to every single day? How are you going to bring all these mindsets into every day? If you're not consistent, it ain't going to work. What's the next one? What number? Baruch HaMakam Baruch Hashem, 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 thank you for giving me a manual to bring into my day-to-day life. That's the, you see, you see how this is, where we see the, yeah. this is all going in order. And then we spoke about the four bonim because it's not just learning Torah, it's learning what kind of Torah? Relevant. Keeping it relevant. It's personal Torah. It's a Torah that's going to be personal to you. We all know that you can learn Torah, and you can learn Torah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You can go to a Torah lecture, and you are out cold. It's, whoa, and it just goes to the next one, and you wake up, and you're schluffing through it all. It's not speaking to you. You need to find the Torah that's going to speak to you. How big is the Torah? It's as vast as the sea. So if you haven't found it, you haven't searched. Woo! If you haven't found it, you haven't searched. Let's put that on there. You got it? So it's finding the Torah. How do we see that? Because that's the next segment of that Gada. Arbabanim. Hashem speaks to the different kids based on where they are. And guess what? We can have all those personalities all mixed up. It depends on the day. depends on the moment. Sometimes we could be in... Chacham, tzaddik moment. We are just so beautiful. We're like the sun. We're shining. We're all excited about our Yiddish guide. And there are certain days that we're feeling a little Russia-ish. We're not gonna. We're not gonna. We're having a little. We're having. We're having a little Russian. Russia inclinations. Okay. I don't mean like we're literally gone all the way. It could just be like you know a little feeling of Yitzhar is like is in control. Okay. We could be in between. We could be Tom, where we're just a shtickle part. And then some days, we are lost. Any day, Alicia, we don't even know what's going on. We don't know what side is up and what side is down. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been there? Anyways, you got it. So that's why the Torah speaks to every single person based on who they are. And that's what we spoke about, the idea of finding your Torah, finding your personal Torah. What access point number was that? Seven. Aren't you excited about this? Now we're moving on. Okay, let's continue. Let's continue the conversation. Now, the next part of that God that says, Yachol Meirosh Chodesh. You might have a, you might have thought that we would celebrate the Seder on the day of Rosh Chodesh. That's what it says in that God. Yachol Meirosh Chodesh. Can you imagine? So Yachol Meirosh Chodesh. You might think that the Seder would be on Rosh Chodesh. Let's get perspective here. Purim falls out on what day? Right? Now imagine two weeks later, you're at the Seder. There's a practical problem. How are you going to tackle all those Mishloch Manus? We're still eating recess cups from, from right? From, from we, two weeks. Of, now, now, some people can, they can tackle those Mishloch Manus. Give them a few days, they knock it out, okay? But for most people, that's going to be a tough one. Why would you think that you would have the Seder, Rosh Chodesh? Did they get out by Rosh Chodesh? So why would you think that you would do Rosh Chodesh? So the real question is, why would you even celebrate the Seder even on the 14th? Let's think about it. We left Egypt, right? We left Egypt, but the reality is they were still running after us. Until when? Under the sea. 
under the sea, right? So really, technically speaking, even on the 14th, we weren't fully out of, the, out of danger. So next six days, we started running. Then they were all like, they're going. Carl's like, let's get them. And then we have Nachshon, he jumps in, power on the whole people, they all, they all end up, you know, that's, so really, technically speaking, really you might say, let's celebrate the 7th. The Mishnah, the Haggad is asking we should start from Rosh Chodesh. We don't do it till the 14th. Ah, that's the question. So I'm even, I'm doubling the question and saying, why should we, why should we even celebrate on the 15th? Not only should we not celebrate from Rosh Chodesh, we shouldn't celebrate the 15th, we should celebrate the seventh day of Pesach, when they all got drowned in the sea. So the answer is, says the Nesiva Shalom, the Nesiva Shalom says, the answer is because when we're celebrating the Gula, it has nothing to do with our physical state. It has to do with our mindset. Meaning that once Hashem said, we are going to be free, and He looked, and Rosh Chodesh, by the way, we learned this together, He looked at the moon, when, when, when a new moon comes out, do you see anything? No. You're only seeing it the 15th day. You're only seeing a sliver. You're only seeing a sliver of the moon. You don't really see the moon until the 15th. The actual Rosh Chodesh begins with a sliver. Now we're moving back. So the question is, why would we celebrate it from Rosh Chodesh? And the Siva Shalom explains, because it's all about, the whole celebration is really the freedom of the mindset. Because if it was all about the physical freedom, we would have done it after they, they were all drowning in Kriyas Yamsa. What do you mean? When do we switch our mindset? We switched our mindset when Hashem promised us that we would leave. When did Hashem promise us we would leave? Rosh Chodesh. That's when Hashem said, you guys are going out. So since we got the promise, then, just like the moon, we, even though you see a sliver, we have this emuna. Uh, that it's going to be happening. That moon is, represents the Jewish people. It represents our moon and Hashem. Even though we don't see it yet, we got the promise. The promise happened on Rosh Chodesh. So much, the promise of Hashem is like the reality already happened. So we would even consider celebrating on the day of the promise, the anniversary of the promise. We don't do that for other reasons because the Torah tells us to wait till we leave. But what do we learn from here? That when you're working on changing, it all begins with a promise. And who's that promise? That you, where does the promise start? It's a promise to yourself. Mm. Next access point to Chuvah Me'ava, what number are we up to? Eight. Eight is you have to make a promise. You have to treat your promises the way that Kaisal, so to speak, treats the promise of Hashem. You have to treat it like it's the word and your word means something. So if you say to yourself, I promise, obviously, believe Nether, of course, you don't want to, but you literally make a commitment to yourself that you are going to become what you want to become. That gives you so much power. Starts with the promise. And then you spend the next few days living up to your own promise. You know, people, many people, their promise means nothing. They can say, I'm going to do something, and you know where it starts? It starts with the fact that they don't even treat themselves. They don't treat their own word. They don't honor their own word to themselves. Amen. Amen. Okay, moving on. Okay, miracle child. Now we now we give a quick a quick overview of of our history. And we have a flashback. You know, 
Our forefathers were Oiv Avodazar. Who was that? Avram Vinu. He came from a mishpacha of Oiv Avodazar. There's a whole question in the Mepharshim. Does it mean that he himself served Avodazar? Avram Avinu served according to the mitchila. Read the word. Mitchila Oide Avodazar Hayu Avosenu. That's a shocking thing to think about. Now, why are we bringing that up? Like, we're talking the Haggadah, we're doing a Muna, Yitzis Mitzrayim, the Torah. And by the way, FYI, you know how Brahma Vinu was? He originally served the Zara. If you read the actual Haggadah, it says, Metchila Oivdeh Avodazara Hayu Avoyseinu. What's a Pashup shot in the word? Shana, what's a Pashup shot in the word? He served the Avodazara. So, what does that have to do with anything? So, Zakhar, if you'd like to turn the page, how did Hashem move the world back on track? So there was, he inspired one man, Avram Avinu, to search for him. Recognizing his creator, led Avram to become Hashem's single loyal servant. Over the next few generations, Hashem would develop Avram Avinu's family into a nation with the power to fulfill the purpose of the rule. But this special nation couldn't be brought into existence in an ordinary way. All the other nations of the world who have developed naturally from Adam's descendants had a problem. They originated from earth, which tied them down to their early temptations. They centered their lives on physicality. A nation who could successfully fulfill the rule's elevated purpose couldn't share the same source. We need to come from above. That's what the next paragraphs speak about. The supernatural process that brought the Jewish people into the world. Every step was miraculous. First Hashem touched Avram with inspiration. Then he gave both Avram and Yitzchak children they couldn't biologically have. He redirected Asaph toward an earthly inheritance and sent Yankov's family down to Egypt to develop into his nation. Let's put on our Manishtana mindset. Our nation is a quintessential miracle child. Our entire existence is a supernatural gift. What are we doing to justify that gift? Okay, so what is the, what's, how, how do we get from the fact that Hashem gave us the Torah, Hashem gave us the Torah, and we need to find that personal Torah that touches us, to Avram Avinu was our forefather, and guess what? He initially started Avodah Zarah. And then he went from serving Avodah Zarah which is crazy that he served Avodah Zarah, he was surrounded by Avodah Zarah, his family even sold Avodah Zarah on Amazon Prime. Like they were like all in. You can get every type of Avodah Zarah, it's a one-stop shop. How do you like your Avodah Zarah? Right, crazy. So what are we up to mindset number what? What access, number what? Nine. The access is Chuvame Ava, guess what? And it goes off of the promise. You have to realize Bishvili Nivra Olam. You have the you can mamish change the world. If you fix yourself, you can literally change the world. You have to have the Avramavinu mindset. It's up to you. It's mamish you, Bishvili. You're sitting there in your little you're sitting there in your little world doing your chuva, going through your mess, which is really your mission. And it can get very lonely. But you have to remind yourself. The Avram Avinu mindset. I'm sitting here fixing myself. You know what I'm really doing? I'm fixing the world. It's crazy. It's like you're sitting there in your own little Daladamas, going through your own area of personal development, and you have to step back and realize, you know, I'm 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 I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm one of Avram Avinu's uh, eight o'clock. We spoke about finding that personal Torah, Baruch Hamakom. We spoke about the four children. We spoke about that you need to find that Torah. But do you realize that when you tap into that personal Torah and you work on yourself, you're not just working on yourself, 
being that you're a grandson of Avram Avinu, your mom is changing the rule. Avram, Klai Yisrael started with one person who was surrounded by a lot of people who were not in that conversation. It's a, it's a shtickle empowering. Yeah. Isn't it? It's a bissel empowering. While you're dealing with your mess, you're actually changing the world. Moving up. Ending the Egyptian exile was part of the greater promise Hashem made to our nation. You get the word here? It was part of the greater promise that Hashem made to our nation, that there will always be a Jewish people, that He will keep us alive for eternity. Okay? What does that mean? A promise is a personal thing. When we promise something, we show that we're interested in making it happen. Hashem's promise communicated just how personally invested He is in our nation, how fully committed He is to keeping our mission alive. He gave us His promise, and that's what we say, Vihi Sha'amda. What is, what is it that gets us through all the hard times? Vihi. What's the Vihi? It. What's it? The promise. What's the promise? The promise is Neely. The promise is Neely. What's the promise? Ready? Girls. Girls, we're getting to like the core of the Seder. Neely. Okay, what's Neely stand for? Ready? Neely is the promise that the Jewish people will be here forever. Lo Yishakir. It's so, the Torah is so bright, it feels like we're in the middle of the day. Okay, Neely. What does Neely stand for? Netzach Yisrael lo Yishakir. Nun. Yisrael lo Yishakir. That their Bansham, the night, when did Hashem promise us that we would be eternal? The night of the when we left. When we when did Hashem give us a promise? When did Hashem promise us that we would be here forever? When did that happen? That happened the night that we left. The night that we left is the time of the birth of the Jewish people. When we are born, we get genes. I'm not talking about those genes. Remember we were talking about genes? The ripped genes? No, I'm not talking about those genes. I'm talking about a gene inside of our DNA called this cute little baby called Kleistrel. Oh, adorable. And inside of this adorable baby, there's a gene. And this gene has the Neely gene. What's the Neely gene? That as a people, we will be here forever. How is that promise doing? Great. Here's the deal. You sometimes ask yourself, what's the difference between Manishtana, this Seder, from last year's Seder? What's the difference? We've already been through this. We have one more year where the promise has been made true. It's a different way of looking at it. <laughs> you never thought about it that way, right? Because we went through another year. How much stuff happened this year that could have technically wiped us off? How, how, too much. Why is it that the birthday cake, if you would submit your, your, your idea for a birthday cake to celebrate the Jewish people's anniversary, the silver anniversary, the 2000 plus anniversary, what would you submit as the birthday cake? And Hashem submits it. You would say gefilte fish. And Hashem says, for y'all, it's called matzah. 
<laughs> that's your birthday cake. Now, of all food, I, again, I love matzah, but why is that the chosen? Why did that win the prize? All the angels were all there. You got on the umpa lumpas. They're like, I would like this big, massive cake. And you have, you have cake wars going on. There's a cake in the size of a limousine. You know what I'm talking about? All those different types of cake. And then there's a matzah. You win. Matzah? Says the Maharal, because the way that you build a matzah is that you have to break the time barrier. You have to do it in a rush. So therefore what? Because the matzah represents that the Jewish people, they're above time. They're eternal. So just like a matzah, you have to mamish rush. So as you eat the matzah, what are you supposed to, what's matzah called? Matzah is called lechem de menusa. It's the bread of faith. Because when you eat the matzah, what are you reminding yourself of? The gene that we got the Neely gene. It's the promise, the Hisha Amda. What's the promise? But what do you mean? People die. The Jewish people are eternal. People die. So how are we eternal? Because the people as a nation were eternal. Okay, let's move on. Why is it that um, everyone, the Hisha Amda, the whole door, why is it that every generation wants to kill us, says Rav Leichter? Why have so many of history's greatest power all fixated on the same goal? Why have so many history's greatest powers, why are they all fixated on the same goal? Why do they want to try to destroy Neely? Netzach Yisrael, why? Because they all have one thing in common. They're earth-centered people. They live for this rule. They make it their goal to squeeze every last drop of pleasure and gratification out of their physicality. We gave that a muscle before, right? The Jewish people, therefore, have always been a thorn in their side because we're all about living for Hashem. We're the conscience. As Hitler Yamach Shemam said, conscience is a Jewish invention. That's why every generation, every paro, fill in the blank, or as Ruchama said to me, he goes, why is it Avadima Yinu live the Pharaoh by Mitzrayim? She goes, why is it Pharaoh? His name is Paro. <laughs> she was laughing. She and I'm like, Avadima Yinu. And I was like, one second, let me try that. Avadima Yinu, Yinu, the Pharaoh by Mitzrayim. No? Isn't that how we say it? Or she was like, I learned that there was supposed to be a dot in that pay. <laughs> and so she was literally laughing herself to bed last night. I was like, is it Pharaoh or Paro? You got me there. Anyways. But then I, I dozed off as well because I was so tired. Okay, but Hashem has always protected us through limitless miracles. He kept us in our mission alive. No matter how hard the other nations have tried to silence us, He's never allowed that voice of Kedusha to fade in the world. Thank you, Hashem, for keeping your promise. What does that have to do with 2021? Okay, girls, we're still here. So you hear this next part of the thing is that everyone wants to knock out this voice. Okay, now... Moving on to the last segment. The next segment is going to bring down four psukim. Okay? And it's going to teach us, we're going to go into the actual part of Magid. And where does this story come from? It's the story of the farmer. When the farmer would go into the Beis Migdash, when he would bring his first fruits, he would say the next four psukim. We're going to learn about that next time. So join us in keeping it relevant. So we can learn about the farmer and look, about, look and bring that into our own day-to-day lives as as professional farmers. Now here. All right, well to be continued, you'll see how that how that relates to us.